Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about a wonderful book called Lila in the Land of the Littles. And to do that, I have brought on the author and illustrator, Leslie Koplow. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Martha. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, so before we get started talking about the book, I would love to hear your background and, and your work with children. Okay. Um, I always say that I started working with children when I was in the sixth grade and they asked people, uh, everyone in the class, if they wanted to help out in the kindergarten and I raised oh. my hand. <laughs> I think that was the beginning of my career. Yes. I subsequently um, got master's degrees in both early childhood special ed and then subsequently in clinical social work. And I am the director of the Center for Emotionally Responsive Practice at Bank Street College. Um, And we collaborate with early childhood programs and elementary school programs and occasional middle school. Uh, to support the emotional well-being of children and teachers and parents within school communities. Wonderful. That's such important work. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, great. So I'm curious about what led you to write this book, Lila in the Land of the Littles. So... As part of the work that I've done for a really long time, when I can't find a book to read to kids that reflect what's going on for them developmentally and in life, I write my own. Mm. And I've taught teachers and caregivers to do that also. And there have been some children's books popping up about um, life during the pandemic, but most of them are like wear your mask type books or addressing the sort of concrete things that kids need to do. But I didn't see anything that was reflecting what I was hearing 
from children and from parents and from teachers about how their kids were reacting. So I decided to write one. Yes. Yeah, because it I I I completely agree that there there have been a lot of um kind of you know the the behavioral changes that we need to make right. um to stay safe. But yeah, the emotional life of this, I feel like children are are extremely lost because everyone's lost. Exactly. <laughs> We've never faced this before. Um, or, or anything like it. So, and, you know, the, the work of children is to play and to, to make social bonds and the opportunities for that have been stripped away at a greater rate than anything, you know, we've seen in our lifetimes. Yes. And that's sure. Yeah. Um, such a big deal for kids. It is. It is. Um, so just to give people, can you kind of give people a summary of what happens in the, in the story? So in the story, um, a little girl is feeling isolated and bored and frustrated. Her big brother and big sister are always on Zoom doing schoolwork. Her mom is always working on the phone. And she feels loss. She feels mm -hmm. like the loss of her routine and her friends and she's not very happy and she kind of stomps around. Her mom eventually gives her something that was from her own childhood that her mom had given her to play with when she was bored. And Lila uses her imagination to create a world that works for her and that helps her make sense of what's going on in our world. And um, that's sort of the, the essence of it. Yes, yes. And, and I love that. Um, I, I really loved that when Lila receives this gift from her mom's childhood, um, that I love that there, there are a couple pages where she's wondering what to do with it. I loved that it wasn't like she got the gift and then was like, okay, <laughs> right, exactly. I know, I know what to do with this because, you know, it, it takes, it takes a while. And I, I encourage um, parents that I work with frequently that boredom <laughs> is not a bad thing. That, exactly. That they, they often need time to figure out how they're going to play with a, with a toy. And if the pandemic has any upsides to it, it's that kids can't live the life of 10 million after school activities and no downtime that they lived forever before. And that's a double-sided coin because it offers children opportunities to play in creative ways that are getting lost, which provide, which gives a lot of risk for mental health issues as kids grow up. Kids need downtime and they need to play. That's how they make sense of what happens in life. It's how they integrate it. Like grown-ups talk, kids play. Mm, I love that. 
And, and yes, I, I have found that to be so true because even, you know, right before the pandemic, I, I work with, they were two at that time, um, two-year-olds and it, it already was starting to get, I was like, we have an activity every day. Right. Um, and they're two. And, uh, <laughs> right. and so, um, and so, yes, I, I think that, that there is this, there does seem to be culturally this pressure to consistently have your child entertained right? Or, or producing yes. something, you yes. know, a lot of times we see these, these crafts that are cute, but it's like, but how much did the child really do in that? Right. And that basically gives kids nothing, but if you give them paper and crayons and glue and a scissor and, you know, all that, and they can create something meaningful, that's a whole different story. Right. In terms of what it does for them in their development. Yes, yes. And so things as simple as buttons and a tablecloth right. can become a whole world. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and we've, I've talked on the podcast with other guests before about um, one, of, one of the guests, uh, Rob, was talking about how he just, he, there was a, they got a smoothie machine. And so the cardboard inside was a really interesting shape. And he gave like, just, you know, bottle cat or like the little screw tops from um, pouches to his kid and just like, let them, (laughs) let them play with that. And they they played with it for like 45 minutes. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am curious. So you said that, that you wrote this book because you saw a need and that, that there wasn't anything like it. Can you talk a little bit more about um, what you've seen that, that need to be? Well, so I hear a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of them are from teachers that we work with. Some of them are from parents. I have a small private practice um, and I these days through Zoom or FaceTime, work with parents as well as um, children. And basically what I was hearing was from parents, how can I make this not be what it is? how Mm. How can I sort of distract them from what's going on and put things, make, you know, fun things happen because my kids are unhappy or they're bored or they're lonely. And I get that because I'm a parent, so I get that. But it's first, first things first. First kids need to know that they're not alone in how they feel about all of these changes and the losses and that their parents can acknowledge that and be with them in it. So they have permission to feel what they feel. And then together they can make a new routine and a new way of being, which most people have done already since it's been almost a year, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work so well if kids feel like they're supposed to feel the same as they did before when life isn't the same as it was before. Right. Right. And I, I can imagine from the point of view of the child that adds to the loneliness 
Cause it's exactly. like, sure does. Yeah. Well, everyone else is, seems able to cope with this, but they're, they're just not getting to see the rest of the iceberg. Right. Because, you know, kids have a very small circle mm-hmm. and when there's no school or when they're, um, contact with other children is so restricted, their circle's even smaller. So they only see what's right in their household and how other people are dealing with it. And if there are no other children their age in the household, then they're kind of alone with what it's like for them at their level. Right, right. And yeah, I, I also, because when, you know, they do get play dates or whatever they're masked up yes half of the the information that that they normally receive from friends and things like that has been you know is, is literally covered up it is so that can make social interactions even harder it can I've been kind of amazed at I thought that the mask wearing was going to be more of an interference than most early childhood people are telling me it is from their, if they have their childcare center open or if they have pods that happen consistently. They've talked about kids sort of figuring out other ways to communicate. And it's been a relief in some way because I wasn't sure how that would work. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about that as well. Um, Cause I, I, I would think that um, there would be slightly more pressure to be more verbal in how you're communicating. But I also am curious if, um, if the, the whole body gets more involved in communicating. <laughs> I think their whole body gets more involved in communicating, especially yeah. with the mass. And depending on the age of the child, little kids sometimes have soft voices. So mm-hmm. nobody can really hear what they're saying with the mask on half the time. Yes. Um, so I think kids are using more whole body ways of communicating with one another right. um, than they were before. Yeah, yeah. I've um, taught some preschoolers, some theater <laughs> things. And yeah, it's, they're very quiet, yes. <laughs> um, which I, which I totally get. And their parents got to, you know, at the little showcase mm-hmm. we did, their parents still had a blast, even though it was a very, very quiet twinkle, twinkle. Um. <laughs> hey, nannies. I wanted to tell you about a new app that has really changed my nanny game. It is called Nannyest. And Nannyist is a new free web application that's designed specifically for nannies, which like we never get our own stuff. We're usually using like parent created apps and things like that. So this is really, really exciting. With the Nannyist app, you can capture and share real time care updates with parents in an easy to use post format that's sort of like your own private Instagram. I know that a lot of times I'm taking up a lot of memory on my phone, taking pictures and sending them throughout the day. So this is a really great way to send them and then get them off of your phone. Um, And parents really want to know what their kids are doing. And I find that a picture really is a thousand words. You don't have time to type out everything. So this is a great way to include parents in your nanny day. And it's intended to form 
formalize or supplement any verbal updates that you're already providing. Uh, Nannius also has professional tools that help you manage the business side of your career. So there's a performance review script, which is so helpful, and a time entry interface and a place to log your mileage and receipts. So all of that you don't have to think about. You just put it in the app and then you can access it when you're ready to like get reimbursed at the end of the week or the month or however you do it, which is great. So to learn more about Nannyist and to create your free account, that's right, listener, I just said the word free account, visit nannyist.com. That's N-A-N-N-I-E-S-T.com. Check it out. I'm also curious about um, if a parent or a nanny is struggling to trust that their child will will make it over that boredom hump of, you know, giving them kind of open-ended play, open-ended toys like buttons and a tablecloth or, you know, blocks or those mm-hmm. those more open-ended toys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do you have words of advice to... to trusting the child's process? Yeah, I just feel like what we know about development is that anything that offers creative process and anything that kids can invent and any play themes that come from them and that they can make bring to life is really giving them a reservoir of inner strength and inner resources, emotional, stability um, that they can carry with them over time. If they're always dependent on electronic things mm-hmm. um, and what they do all day is, dis- is um, designed to distract them from how they feel or what's going on, that's eventually gonna catch up with them. Right. So you need to keep the faith because, because it's so valuable to give them those opportunities. Right. And, and yeah, that later on turns into maybe turning to imagination or play or something like that versus um, kind of just shutting your brain down. Yeah. Um, A healthier coping mechanism. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and I even, as I was reading Lila, I, I found myself thinking, you know, like this is this play. I think if, if Lila was the age of her older siblings, it might look like journaling, right? Like she, she is giving herself in her imagination, all the things that she's missing. Yes which is so lovely. And I, I also um, think that, that parents can help with that too. Um, I think a lot of times, or caregivers, I think a lot of times caregivers, we get in our heads that like, we have to explain that, that they can't do that right now. Or, you know, like we can't go over and play. And, and if we can, you know, the kids know that. 
Like they've, they've been living it for the past year too. They know that we can't, but I have found that if I can give it to them in their imagination and model that for them, that it pays off really well. So, you know, if they're like, I want to go over to Timmy's house, Mm -hmm. ah, Mm -hmm. you know, me saying, Oh, wouldn't that be great? You remember his big car that you got to ride around in? Mm -hmm. So great. If we could go ride in that big car. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of times, you know, caregivers are like worried because they're like, well, but I can't actually do it. And it's, it's, it's about the connection versus the, the actually giving them what they, what they say they want. (laughs) Yes. And you could give them two shoe boxes and say, Hey, I got an idea. Let's make our house. Let's make Timmy's house. And you can make believe about if you would go to Timmy's house, all the things that would be there. You could, and you can give them some play-doh or something that they can make stuff with and it it comes to life in a way that's very satisfying for children Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah I would think that 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 situation like that's great because yeah then they can they can imagine what they would do and then it it feels you know it doesn't feel the same as going over to Timmy's necessarily but they still, they connected with you. They had that moment of like being seen and heard with you. Yes. yes. And then they got to play through it. Yeah. I, I just wanted to encourage that. Cause I know um, I've been seeing on the nanny boards at least. And I, I think it's true with parents as well. A lot of us that have been kind of the, you know, happy <laughs> warriors, throughout Mm -hmm. all of this are really, really hitting a wall Mm -hmm. Um, because it's, it's just anyone that's been holding on to when we go back to normal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think is realizing that that's not, it's not that clear cut. It's more nuanced. Mm -hmm. We're not going back to the exact same. We're not going back to 2019 life. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Yeah, but even, I mean, even afterwards, there's still going to be, at least my understanding is that there's still going to be these ebbs and flows of, you know, people are vaccinated, but some people aren't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to maybe like if the numbers go up, we have to kind of go back to more isolation and things like that. And so that ebb and flow, I think, is going to be tricky because... (laughs) Um, it's not as, as black and white. Yes. So I think as we, um, work through that personally, Mm -hmm. that, um, that that's going to be difficult. And then also explaining to children like, well, yeah, we could for a little while go out more freely. And now we have to be back a little bit because the, the germs got, got bad again. Yeah. (laughs) Things like that. So I, I think that um, your book is, is so wonderful in that, yeah, it, it not only addresses the emotional life of children right now, but it also provides one of the best ways to, to offer comfort and help to children, which is to let them play it out. Yes. And I think that that message will be needed long beyond the crisis <laughs> of the pandemic because it yeah. was needed before the pandemic 
Right, right. Yeah, that message is is evergreen. Um, I, I'm curious about your illustrations. They're gorgeous. Um, Thank you. Will you uh, tell me about what what led you to this style? Um, so I love to do collage. Mm-hmm. I also love to do, I love to draw. I love to do some weaving, but during the pandemic, collage has been sort of my expressive avenue. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of collages. So when I, I came to the place of wanting to write the story, I thought, okay, I'll illustrate it with collage. And I did. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna, I just finished writing down on paper anyway, a, a sequel about um, Lila's best friend, Jasmine. And oh. I'm waiting for collage papers that I ordered <laughs> to be delivered so that I can start to make it. Yes. A while to do the illustrations. Right, yes, I can imagine um, that they take a while, but they they really turned out beautifully. Um, Listeners, just so you know, um, you can, there's a link down in the show notes so that you can look at the book, Lila in the Land of the Littles, and then also order it for yourself because it really is um, just such a wonderful way to open up that conversation (laughs) um, about, you know, like this is hard. (laughs) This is really hard. Um, I also really loved that Lila in it was mad. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. I, I loved that because I think sometimes we don't give permission to kids to go all the way through their feelings. Yes. Yeah. I, I really wanted Lila to be able to be frustrated and angry in the presence of her mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that when children have permission to have all of their feelings with their parents and with their caregivers, then they know that those relationships are strong enough to hold those feelings and then they tend to have less need to act those feelings out when they're in a broader social context like school, for example. Um, So I wanted that to be part of the story. And of course, all parents, as you said, parents and caregivers are like at the point of wanting to tear their hair out. Like, (laughs) oh my God, this has gone on for so long. Mm -hmm. And especially, if they're trying to do something else at the same time as they're taking care of their children. It's impossible. It's an impossible situation and it's impossible for the adult and it feels impossible at intervals for children as well. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and yeah, I really, really, really feel for, for parents in particular and, and all caregivers, but, you know, as nannies, at least we, we are doing our job, you know, right, like you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's, yeah. At least those two still go together. <laughs> um, but, you know, if a, if a parent is, 
expected to be on Zoom for eight hours. Right. And also taking care of their children. That's just impossible. It's, impossible. it's impossible. <laughs> it is. And it's just, um, it's just been a nightmare for so many people. Um, one of the things I'll say about the nanny experience is that children take in whatever their caregivers are feeling. They have radar for adult, you know, adult feelings. So if you don't feel good one day and you come to work anyway, they look at you and 30 seconds later, they say, are you sick? <laughs> because mm -hmm. they, they know everything. They can feel everything. You become part of them. They become part of you. And so whatever the pandemic has brought to the emotional well-being or lack thereof of the mm -hmm. caregiver is also relevant because that is what children are taking in. So if a nanny hasn't been able to visit her own family for a year because they can't travel because of the pandemic and, they're, and that feels really hard for them, that is something that children are, the feeling of the hard hardship is something that children take in. It's the sort of like, being able to make stories um, shareable and developmentally appropriate so that kids aren't in the presence of feelings that they can't connect to um, what's yeah. going on. That, that's, that's hopeful. And, and nannies are, I've, I've known families where nannies are really making it, making it possible for the ship not to sink. <laughs> so Right, right. Very, very important um, in children's life experiences when they are part of the circle. Yes, but I, I, I really do think you make a very good point of <clears throat> kids will pick up on so much. And yeah, if you're if you're having a hard day, um, and and a kid calls you out or doesn't, <laughs> right you know, speaking to that of being like, yeah, I feel really sad today. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think we can do? Mm -hmm. And then maybe you play through some of your sadness with the kid, um, mm -hmm. you know, appropriately, <laughs> like depending on what your sadness is about. But if it's about missing your family, a child would understand that a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could see like dollhouse play about that. <laughs> I could see kids saying, could we make them a card or something? Yes. And that would be wonderful. You know, they yes. could go work on that together. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. And that can fold out into making lots of cards to cheer. You know, lots of people are feeling disconnected right now. Let's, let's write more if it, you know, if the kid yes. is invested in it, that that's a very open-ended <laughs> activity. Um, yes. And it also helps them practice their empathy skills of you saying, yeah, I am feeling off. I'm feeling sad or, or today. Yeah. I'm kind of mad at the pandemic today. <laughs> like let's, uh -huh. let's be mad for a while, you know, and, and that um, <laughs> we do a lot of in, in my nanny house, we do a lot of like, if we, are feeling a little bit mad we like exaggerate it and uh -huh. you know stomp around uh -huh. and 
do things like that for a while until <laughs> until we eventually end up giggling and moving on. Yes. <laughs> Um, but we see how mad can you get? <laughs> um, so it's very fun. Well, wonderful. Well, is there anything else that, that you'd like to, to talk about before we move on to the cute story? <laughs> um, hmm. nothing else is coming to mind right now. Yeah, I, I do really suggest, um, Nanny's, and caregivers in general, the down in the show notes is a link um, to Lila in the Land of the Littles. And I, I this book is just so lovely. It, it felt like a hug <laughs> to read it. Um, I love that review. <laughs> yeah, it, it really did. Um, so I, I highly recommend you, you taking a look at it and, um, and reading it with, with your little ones because everyone's needing a hug right now. <laughs> um, That's for sure. And it, it really does help um, kids see that they're not alone and, and also offer healthy ways of, of working through different big emotions that are coming up for them. Um, if listeners, Leslie, if listeners wanted to find out more about you, where could they do that? Okay, well, there's a few ways they can do that. They can um, look at the about the author, click on about the author on the Amazon page, or they can go to Bank Street College website and look for emotionally responsive practice. And then, you know, it has a lot about our program there and has some COVID resources as well. Um, probably, probably there's something about me on the our team. Um, page. Great, great. Those COVID resources, I'm sure are great. I will be checking those out later today. <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, we end each episode with a cute, fun story and Leslie has brought one. Okay. So one of the things that we've been doing in our schools that we collaborate with my colleagues read stories, sometimes it's virtually, sometimes um, the kids are present in school, but we're virtual because we're not supposed to go in real life. <laughs> and um, they, read, they read stories to the kids and they have kids do something afterwards. So when, when, I, when Lila in the Land of the Littles became available, a colleague of mine has read it to several um, classrooms of kids and has asked them to create a land. You know, Lila created the land of the littles. What would you create during the pandemic um, that would help you feel safe and powerful? So I have a story that I thought I would end with. <laughs> so this was a, a little second grader and she drew a picture of a doll. And she said, my doll has laser beams that push the coronavirus away. I will get the coronavirus to fly back to its planet. When it goes back, we'll have a party. If we get another virus, we will push it away and have another party. <laughs> it will be a pool party and I will be the mermaid. <laughs> I thought that was a great <laughs> example of what kids have been doing with the story in their own imagination. 
is. I love that so much. I love that the parties get more specific too. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. great. Yeah. Well, let's let's build some lasers and see what happens. I'm with, I'm with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, Leslie, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is your host, Martha Tyler. I'm quickly dropping in to make a request. If you are enjoying this podcast, one of the best ways that you can help get it to other people is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. So if you have any Apple product, so an iPhone or a Mac or anything like that, I would really appreciate if you could go on Apple Podcasts and just rate and review. It helps other people discover the podcast and get the word out. Thank you so much for your support. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.